And as you're turning there for this morning's passage, uh, if you still do not have the notes, you can raise your hand and the ushers will get those notes to you this morning. And that way, it's just a help to follow along through the message as we study this passage of Scripture of John chapter 8. And we'll be reading verse 28 to verse 36. And as you're looking for that passage, let me just um, say uh, next week, not only we have Amigo Day on Sunday, uh, February 4th, but on the 5th, 6th, and 7th, that's Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we have Pastor Olette that will be with us, Pastor R.B. Olette from Michigan, uh, First Baptist of Bridgeport, uh, Michigan. And every time he's come, he's always been a blessing. He's always challenged me personally and uh, it, with his preaching, and I know he'll be a blessing. I want to encourage you to make plans next Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Be here every night. I know it'll be a blessing for your family. I know it'll be a blessing to you. Uh, we'll have it uh, translated. I believe pastor's going to be uh, translating uh, all three messages, and it's just going to be a great, great time in the house of God. And if you've never heard Pastor Olette speak, uh, I want to encourage you to come and, and hear him speak. He, he's a great, great preacher, and I know he'll be a blessing for you. So that'll be next, uh, next Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, uh, February 5th, 6th, and 7th. And uh, I want to encourage you to come back all three nights just to hear Pastor Olette. He'll be a blessing for you. I know that for sure. John chapter number 8, verse number 28, says like this, Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. And as he spoke these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? And Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the blessing that we have in being able to have your word in our hands even this morning. What a blessing it is to be able to have a local church where we can come and not only worship through singing and through giving, but Father, worship through the preaching of your word. And now I pray that your spirit, your Holy Spirit, would uh, fill me this morning, that I would be able to communicate the truth that you have placed on my heart, that we would not only be uh, able to understand this truth, but to apply it into our lives. May we be doers of your word and not hearers only. And I pray that you would uh, prepare our hearts to receive your word this morning. Father, speak to every person here, I ask. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Just his word. 
and he'll always listen closely when you share your heart with him jesus walks the path beside you he has been there all along and he'll guide your feet when your step is weak and your strength is almost Christian life is a life of freedom. It is a life in which we follow God's leading, where we depend on God's Holy Spirit that dwells in us to lead us and to guide us in the decisions that we make each and every day. The Christian life is a life of freedom. You know, sadly today, there are many who may call themselves Christians, and I believe many that are Christians who do not live a life of freedom. They have a life of religion. They have a life that they have a lot of knowledge about the Word of God. But they never really live a free Christian life. They never really experience what it means to have that freedom in Christ. You know, as Americans, we sometimes feel like we know what freedom is all about. Our nation is known as the land of the free and the home of the brave. We feel like we know a little bit of what, what really freedom entails and what the cost of freedom is. But it seems as we get further and further away from the founding of our nation, as we get away from those years and the founding fathers as they founded this country, I believe we're getting away from really what freedom is all about. We're getting away from really what the true concept of freedom even is. You see, freedom is not the idea that allows me to live however I want to live or do whatever I want to do. And sadly, most Americans, when they think about freedom, that's what they think of. They think about their rights. They think about, I, I can do this. I'm American. We're in a free country. I have the right to do this. And the concept about freedom is all about my rights. The concept of Freedom today in America is uh, you can't do this to me because I have the right to do this or to do that. And I'm thank thankful, by the way, for being an American. I thank God that he placed me in this country, allowed me to be born in this country. I love this country. Don't get me wrong. Please do not misunderstand me. I'm not saying that Americans are bad. All I'm saying is that the concept of freedom in America has been changing over the years. And, and as we've uh, come into a new generation, it seems like the concept has been more and more of that. In fact, it's, it's been the idea of, well, if this offends me, you cannot do that. Uh, right? I have the freedom to be uh, away or free free from offense. And if something, someone is doing something that I do not like, or if someone is saying something I don't want to hear, they're offending me, and I have the right to just uh, tell them to get away or to be quiet or step down. And, and, uh, and we see this as, as special interest groups right now, more than ever, uh, want to make people be quiet, other voice, voices to be quiet. Uh, more and more, anyone that has a conservative view, anyone that has a, a view that the Bible is the truth, People want to quiet them down. The, 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 those that are offended by it, those that don't agree with it, they want to uh, sort of quiet them down. In fact, it's created a politically correct culture. And if you're not familiar with that term, it's where uh, you have to use a word that doesn't offend anybody. 
And, uh, and it's created this sort of culture in America of that. In fact, I heard of a, of a fourth grader that was uh, writing a report on Thanksgiving. And, and of course, he was trying to be as politically correct as he could when he was writing this report. And he wrote this. He said, the pilgrims came here seeking freedom from, well, you know what. And then when they landed, they gave thanks to, well, you know who. And because of them, we can worship each Sunday, well, you know where. <laughs> they never wanted to say you can worship in God's house. He didn't want to write uh, that uh, we were here uh, giving thanks to God on Thanksgiving. He didn't want to say that he was seeking freedom from those that were persecuting Christians, which is what the pilgrims did. That's just why they came to America. And in this politically correct culture, you can't even say that anymore. It's almost uh, saying something that's sacrilegious or something that is false history. But uh, young people, I want to encourage you, if you look at the real history of this nation, you'll find that the pilgrims that came were looking for religious freedom, and they were looking for a place where they could worship God according to God's word. And that was really the founding of this nation, and that's really where the idea of freedom came from. You see, freedom is not a selfish idea that states, I do what I want. It is actually an idea that comes from God, and a life of freedom can only be lived when we understand and believe God's word and understand what freedom actually is. This morning, the message is answering the call to freedom. Now, let me just set the scene really quick here in John chapter 8 so you know what's going on. If you read a little bit of John chapter 8, you'll find that Jesus is in the temple, and he's speaking, and there's two groups that he's kind of speaking to. Now, they weren't on his left and on his right, but just to illustrate the point, I'm just going to make it that way. So on the left, you have what is known as the Pharisees. The Pharisees were these men that were the religious leaders of the day. They were the political leaders of the day, and they, they had pretty much the power of, uh, of the political process there in Jerusalem. And, and Jesus is teaching there in the temple, and he's uh, first teaching about the, the, the power of freedom. He, he's talking uh, to them uh, about who he is. And at the very beginning, after he's sort of speaking his first message, they bring this lady that has been caught in adultery. And these Pharisees, by the way, hated Jesus. They did not like what he stood for. They did not like who he was. They didn't believe that he was the Son of God. They didn't like anything he had to say. And so they were there just to try to uh, confuse uh, other people about him. They were trying to spread lies about Jesus. And they were there just to disrupt, if you will. So there they are. Jesus is there teaching. And at the end of his teaching, they bring this woman who's been caught uh, in adultery. And they ask Jesus, what should be done to her? The, the law says that we should stone her. What do you say, Jesus? And you can just gotta, you got to imagine that they're just there. They maybe have their hands folded. They're sort of just waiting, looking at Jesus. Jesus, what are you going to do? I mean, she should be put to death, right? I mean, you know the law. You know the scriptures. She should be put to death. What are you going to do? And they think they're going to trap Jesus with that. And Jesus tells them, well, uh, at first he says nothing. To be honest with you, the Bible says that he just sort of starts writing on the ground. And they get a little bit bothered about this. And they're, they're just watching him as he's writing on the ground. And then he stands back up. And, and they said, well, what are we going to do? So finally, after a few moments of writing on the ground, Jesus turns and looks at them. And he said, well... The person that has no sin in their life, he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. Slowly, the Pharisees start to see the people that they had brought to witness this, throw down their stones and walk away. Now the Pharisees are really mad. Okay, so he didn't fall for that, so we couldn't catch him in doing that. And, and Jesus tells that woman, where are those that were accusing you? And she says, well, they all left. It was just him and her left. And Jesus said, well, if they don't condemn you, neither do I. And Jesus, being the only person there that could have thrown that first stone, who had no sin, lets her go free. And he says, I, I want you to do something. I'm going to let you go free. I don't condemn you, but now go and sin no more. Then the Pharisees come back a little bit later. Now you, you can just 
uh, understand. Now they're really bothered. They, they've been shown up. They, they found out that, that Jesus, they can't trap him in that. And so they, they begin to talk to him about other things. And, and, uh, and Jesus, as he's teaching, he begins to teach. And they come back to listen to what he's saying. And Jesus says, well, I want you to know I am the light of the world. I am the one that brings light into this world that takes away darkness. Darkness was always a picture of bondage. Darkness is always a picture of blindness. And Jesus says, listen, I'm the light of the world. The Pharisees begin to listen to that. The Pharisees begin to understand that Jesus is, is someone that is speaking about who he is. Now, on the other side, there's other people that are also listening to Jesus. That they're not like the Pharisees. They're not there trying to trap Jesus. In fact, they're just there to listen. And they begin to hear what Jesus is saying. They see how he gave freedom to that woman that was caught in sin. They begin to see and hear that he says, I am the light of the world. He begins to declare unto them that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. And they begin to listen. And the Bible says, after listening, many of them believed. Many of them there were hearing what Jesus was saying and was believing. And upon believing, Jesus begins to teach this principle of living free. That is the whole context of this chapter, okay? I just want to give you the scene of what's going on when Jesus is saying what he's saying. He's got Pharisees there that hate him, that hate everything he has to say. Then he's got others that are listening, others that are believing. And he takes this opportunity to teach what it means to actually be free. Freedom is not an American thing. Freedom is a biblical thing. You see, the freedom that we've experienced here in America is just because of the founding of the principles of God's word that our founding fathers believed. But it wasn't their idea that freedom came from. It was always been a biblical God idea. God has always been the author of freedom. And so the best teacher about freedom is going to be Jesus Christ. All right, now, so Jesus, just picture this. Jesus now is teaching. He's got Pharisees over here. He's got other people that are listening and believing. And he starts this principle of freedom. And he starts with this, number one. He says, the first aspect that you need to understand about freedom is the essence of freedom. The essence of freedom. That word essence means the real nature of freedom. The real, the real original idea. What makes freedom, freedom? We've already established freedom isn't the right to do whatever I want. That's not what freedom is. And if that your, is your concept today, that's just a wrong concept. Let me just help you with that. That's not what freedom is. But what is the essence of freedom? The essence of freedom that we find is this, is Jesus speaking to them and saying, I am that light. I am that truth. I want you to notice that the first aspect of freedom, the essence of it, is the person of truth. The person of truth. You see, the, the truth is first of all found in the person of Jesus Christ. In verse number 28, that's what he's explaining to them. They understood upon Jesus saying what he was saying, that he was the son of the father, that God the father had sent him to this world to give that truth. They knew and understood that Jesus was claiming to be the truth. In fact, in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Jesus claimed himself to be the truth. And so freedom starts with understanding there is a person of truth. That person is Jesus Christ. Now, anyone who denies the Lord Jesus Christ has denied the only one who can make them free because he is the truth. Truth is what gives us that ability to be free. It's the very nature of freedom. This is why the devil wants to rid the world, by the way, of all uh, the name of Jesus. He wants to rid the world of Christianity. Why? You know, the devil can succeed in getting our society to kick Jesus out, to get the Bible out. By the way, they've already started with our schools. It's always amazing to me when I talk to my mom that when she was growing up in the public school, they started every day with prayer. Now, if you even pray at lunchtime, you, you might get told on and get rebuked by some teacher. And by the way, you have the freedom to do that, young people. You do that every time you can. I encourage every adult here, anytime you go to a restaurant, take time to pray for that food. Be a witness there with it. We have the freedom to do that, thank the Lord. But 
we find that everywhere you go, the devil is trying to get Jesus out. He's trying to get the Bible out. He's trying to get the Ten Commandments out. Why? Because truth liberates. He knows if he can get Jesus out, then he can control. He can captivate. He can keep people in bondage. So the essence of truth is this, the person of Jesus Christ. But it's not only just the person of the truth, but then the word of truth. Jesus said to them, if ye continue, look in verse number 31. Jesus said to them, if ye continue in my word. Jesus emphasizes this idea of the word of truth. Not only is there a person that is the truth, that is Jesus Christ, but is also the word of truth. That is the Bible. The Bible brings freedom by declaring the truth to all men. Only the Bible, let me say this morning, only the Bible has the power to set people free. That's why it's important for you and I to believe it. That's important. That's why it's important for us to read it. That's why it's so important for us to study it. That is why it's so important for us to share it. The word of God is what frees us. It's what gives you the freedom uh, to have, to enjoy in life. There's the person of truth, Jesus Christ. There's the word of God, the word of truth, which is the Bible that brings freedom to you and I. Now, what does the word of truth do? How does it do that? How does it bring us freedom? Uh, There's some uh, thoughts on that there in your notes. Number one, it sanctifies us. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You know, John was just trying to communicate to them. Listen, you know what the word of God does? It sanctifies us. And you say, well, what does sanctify mean? It simply means to get us set apart for God. Some of you maybe have the practice, and I'm starting to get better at it, on Saturday night of picking out your clothes for Sunday morning. I don't know if you, if you do that or not, but you go into your closet, and, and for those that do that, and, and you look at shirts, and you try to see what you're going to be wearing, and your pants and your shoes, and you lay them out, and if you have to iron a shirt, you'll iron that, or, or if you're married, you ask your wife if she can help you with that, and uh, you, you, you do what you can, and you prepare. The word sanctify has that kind of thought. That's what it is. It's to set apart. It's to prepare. Now, the Word of God prepares us to be able to serve God. It, it sets us apart to do what God wants us to do. That's what freedom does. That's what the word of God does. It sanctifies, but it not only sanctifies, the word of God also purifies. That makes us able to serve. That makes us able. So sanctify sets us apart. That looks at the purpose of what we're going to do. But the purification of God's word helps us to be able to do it. That, that's sort of like just the idea of if, if you have a mission and, and I said, hey, will, will somebody please go to the back and get me a bottle of water? Then when I say, will someone go, then, then that's sort of the, the, the idea of sanctifying. I'm going to say, well, uh, Abraham, will you do that? And well, Abraham, if he stands up and he gets ready, he hears that. That's a sanctifying process. That's saying, Abraham, I got something for you to do. But the purifying process is allowing and making able for Abraham to do that by, by perhaps saying, Abraham, now the water is in Ms. Quintanilla's office. If you just go to the back left corner of the office, you'll see that there's the water's there. If you just go and bring one back tonight. The word of God gives us the freedom not only to be sanctified, set apart for what God is going to do, but then he makes us able through the word of God to actually do it. Then the word of God not only purifies us, but it also strengthens us. Ephesians 6, 14 says, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. You know, the strongest part of your body is here in the loins. They say, if you're going to pick up something heavy, I'm sure uh, many people have read this. If you're going to pick up something heavy, like a desk, what do they say that you need to use? Right? Your legs. You're supposed to bend down with your legs and then push up. If you do this, When you're younger, you might be able to get away with it. But as you get older, you can really hurt your back. You know why? Because your strength really comes from this area right here. So when when you use your legs, you're actually using your muscles that are what the Bible would call your loin muscles, right? It's where all your strength comes from. Do you know that the word of God functions as a way where you can get strengthened, where you get strong? Do you know, I wish... 
that I could tell you that when you live the Christian life that it's all about how strong and how much you can bench, but it's really not uh, your physical strength that helps you live the Christian life. It's your spiritual strength. So let me just tell you the teaching, this first aspect that, that Christ is trying to teach here. He says, listen, there's the very essence of freedom starts with this. Number one, you've got to recognize who I am. He told the Pharisees who were looking over here and saying, uh-huh, what? What do you got to say now? Jesus said, I want you to know, I am that light. I am that truth. I am the way. That is who I am. I am that son of God. I am the one that can bring you freedom. I'm that person of truth. And then to those that that were believing, that were listening and saying, you know, I think what he says is true. I think he is. I really believe that he is the son of God. He says to them, well, if you believe that, then continue in my word. There's a word of truth that helps you to live that free life, that Christian life. It's, it's freedom for you. That's why it's so important. When you read this, you're, you're not just reading just any old book. You're reading the truth. You're reading something that will sanctify you and purify you and strengthen you to live a life that is free. Let me just say right off the bat, listen, there's no better life than a free life. One of the reasons that so many immigrants want to come to America is they want to experience freedom. But, but let me just say, they might experience freedom in certain aspects. But you know, you could be in a communist country and still live free. Because real freedom comes from knowing the essence of freedom. That's Jesus Christ. Then I want you to notice that Jesus not only speaks of the essence of freedom, but then he talks about the effects of freedom. Freedom's not just an idea that leaves oneself as the ruler of what will be done. Jesus didn't say, well, if you believe on me, that's all you need. Y'all, listen, you guys have a good one. We'll see you later. We'll see you next Sunday in the tabernacle, next Saturday in the temple. He didn't say that. He didn't just say, well, that's all that you, you need. There, there are some effects that happen when you have freedom in Christ. There's something that, that it creates in you. Something that it, it takes you to do. And I'll tell you, the first thing that it takes you to do is to be a little bit more fully committed to Christ. It brings a deeper commitment to him. That's what freedom does. You know why so many Christians cannot be faithful? You know why so many millennial Christians are lacking in their faith? And you can see the numbers and you can look at different statistics and you'll see that more and more uh, churches are closing day by day and there's less and less faithful uh, millennials that are going faithfully to a church. You know why? Because they're not free. They're not. There's not that effect in their life of freedom. Because, see, freedom has the effect of bringing a greater commitment. Not a greater religion, a greater commitment. You know, I find that there's many Christians that they have a great, great religion and a religious life. But very few are, become, are, are, are very committed to Christ. Sunday is sort of an optional day. If it's good, if it's convenient, what time does the service start? Okay, then maybe we'll make it. Sunday evening, well, what, what plans do we have? Do we need groceries? Is the car doing okay? And if, that, if, 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 if all that lines itself up, then maybe we'll make it on Sunday evening. Do you know that a committed person does not think that way? It's funny because we don't really do that in areas that we're committed. I have found that when you need groceries at the house, you know what we usually do? We wait till we get out of work. I have yet to find somebody call into work and say, boss, I can't make it. I've got groceries that need to get bought. I'm sorry. We'll see you tomorrow. We don't do that. Why? I'll tell you why. Because we're committed to our job. We say, hey, if we don't have our job, then then we're not going to get paid. And if we don't get paid, then how am I going to have this car? And how am I going to have this house? I mean, we need that. So we're committed to it. But you see, when you really believe that Christ is what brings freedom into your life, it'll have the effect in your life of a greater commitment to him. Any person that understands this, any person that has uh, seen Christ as the freedom, the one that has broken their chains, understands that it brings a deeper commitment to him. 
See, the power of positive thinking does not produce a deeper commitment to God, nor does a New Year's resolution. Sometimes people wait, well, next year I'm going to be, I'm, I'm really going to get into this church thing. And they'll do it maybe for the month of January, but then they just sort of fall off throughout the year. And you know why? There's no commitment there, because there's no freedom. The Bible says, if you continue in my word, if you continue in my word, one of the effects of having Christ's freedom in our life is that deeper commitment to him. Many are lacking that kind of commitment because they're locked up in this selfish view of freedom. They set up in their mind, well, they don't study the word of God, and, and then they, just, they sort of create what they think Jesus would be. They sort of create this idea that, well, Jesus understands me. He was a nice guy. Jesus is all about love, after all. And sometimes I, I like to ask them sometimes, well, then why did Jesus say, I came to put a sword and to divide? Half of them haven't even read that in the Bible. It's there. The reason being is because they really look for a way to excuse their lack of commitment. That's what happens. Listen, if you're not careful, you can be a Christian and you can say, yeah, I believe Jesus is the son of God. Yeah, I believe he's the savior of the world. But really, you don't have that freedom that leads you to say, man, I want to be more committed to Christ. The best example that I could think of was in Matthew chapter 26, verse number 42. Jesus is going right before the cross. And he's praying to the Father, and he says, Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. You know what kept Jesus committed as he was here on this earth? Was that freedom. That freedom that said, I must continue. Jesus said, if ye abide in me, then I'll abide in you. Jesus said, listen, this is what the Christian life is all about. Sometimes I think it's a little bit discouraging that we have to encourage and, and, uh, and try to promote and, and do all these things. Come to church. Please, you're going to love it. It's going to be great. And I'm not, in, I'm not against advertising and trying to get people excited about church, but I wonder why isn't that not enough just to say, I just want to go and hear what God has to say. Why is it not enough just to say, man, I, I want to be one that has that effect in my life, that freedom is something real, something uh, of a commitment to me. We find that Jesus gives that uh, idea, the effect of it is a deeper commitment. But then I want you to notice that he also says it will dispel the bondage to sin. Freedom not only gives you a greater commitment to God, but it also will dispel the bondage of sin. Sin always has the effect of making, up, making us its slave. It's, it's, it will slowly exert its power, slowly in our lives until you cannot break free. It, it creates addictions. By the way, listen, uh, there are many people in our world that wish they could stop smoking, but, but it has a dominion over them. There's many that wish they could just get off drugs, and, 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 and I've met many that say, man, I, I really want to stop doing this, Pastor, and, and the problem is they're just a slave to that sin. They haven't found freedom in Christ. They haven't found a deeper commitment. They haven't found that they can have victory over that sin because that comes with faith in Christ by continuing in his word. You, you sort of want to get over that and... and, and, and I don't know if I'm communicating this as best as I can, but I, I want you to understand the Christian life is more than just do's and don'ts. It's a whole lot more than do's and don'ts. Man, if I live my life, my Christian life in do's and don'ts, man, I would be miserable. I really would. I'd, have to, I'd be, have to be writing down all these things in my house. Did I do this today? Did I do that today? You know, I, I don't have one list in my house of do's and don'ts, not one. You say, well, how do you live your life? Well, I do my best to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's amazing what God will teach you if you just stop and listen to him for a little bit. Listen to his word. You'll, 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 you'll have freedom that you never thought you could ever have. You'll be much more committed to him. You'll be much more free from sin. Look at what Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says. Paul is writing to these Christians in Galatia, and he's, he's trying to 
communicate this principle of freedom. He says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And then in verse 13, he says, for brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. You know what Paul was trying to create in the Galatians' mind? He's saying, listen, listen, this thing of the Christian life, it's not about do's and don'ts. You know what people were teaching the Christians at Galatia? Some of the pastors that had gone through their church, they were saying, oh, no. Say, if you're going to be a Christian, then you have to do this. And you have to, you have to start doing a little bit of Judaism. And, and you're going to have to get circumcised. And you're going to have to do these works. And you're going to have to do this and do this and do this. If not, God won't accept you. If not, God really won't love you. If not, God will not save you. And Paul said, that's not the Christian life at all. That might be the Catholic life or the Mormon life or the religious Baptist life, but that's not the Christian life. The Christian life is not about do's and don'ts, you see. The Christian life is about overpowering that which brings sin into our life. And I've noticed the more that you just give time to the Holy Spirit, the more you spend time in this word of God, the more that God will help you to see, hey, this I don't need in my life. And this I don't need in my life. And this is just going to bring me down. And this is just going to make me addicted to something I don't want to be addicted to. And, and before you know it, you're going to be free from those things. You see, Christ was trying to teach these Pharisees that were over here hating on him and those that were believing on him. He was trying to teach them the same thing. Listen, you, I can make you free from those rules and regulations. I can make you free from the bondage that you have. And you, if you really want to live in freedom, abide in my word. Abide in the truth, because that's what freedom is all about. Then I want you to notice this last principle and this last aspect of freedom, and it's the experience of freedom. You see, when a person finally has freedom in their life, they're never the same. They have something that is so different than anything else they may ever have or have ever experienced in their life. You say, well, what does answering the call to freedom leave you with? Uh, what, what is this experience you're talking about? Number one, it leaves you with a really close relationship with God. That's what he's saying in verse 35. And Jesus tells him, you see, when you have freedom, you're no longer the servant of the house. You're no longer a slave to sin. Jesus said in verse 34, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. That word servant can be translated as the, the same word uh, as slave. It's the same word. And he said, listen, once you become saved, once you have that freedom in Christ, you're no longer one that is there as a servant, but now you're a son. Now there's something great. He said the servant, the servant's only there in the house for a little while. And if the master wants to get rid of that servant, he's done. But the son, the son has an inheritance. The son is going to be the heir of that, of that uh, household and an heir of all that the owner of that house has. See, the experience of a person that is living free is a relationship that is really close to God. I believe that's what Paul describes in Romans chapter 8. Notice this in your notes in verse 15 to 17. He says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. You know what Paul was trying to sort of transmit there in those words? The experience of freedom is having a right relationship with God. I'll never forget being in a service uh, when I was younger. And sometimes as, as, uh, as a pastor, you might... Uh, give a question to the audience, and, and sometimes the question is just to make someone think or to, to help them to, to connect something. And I remember this particular uh, a preacher was, was speaking, and I don't remember exactly the, the message and the subject that he was talking about, but I remember that the, the question, uh, and I think he was talking about getting closer to God and making a commitment that way. And he asked the question, he said, how many here believe that you're as close to God as you've ever been? And usually some people are hesitant to say, well, uh, can I be closer to God? Maybe I'm not as close as I should be or, or something like that. And, and uh, that particular night, 
my grandfather, my, my dad's dad was with us, and I just remember his hand going up. And I thought, oh, Grandpa, I don't think he understood the question. And I think the preacher was a little bit surprised. <laughs> he asked it again. He said, well, uh, how many really believe, listen, I, I'm as close as I can be to the Lord right now at this moment. And his hand went up again. And I remember thinking when I saw that, I remember thinking, oh, he, well, you know, he's, he's in his 80s. And probably when, you, when I get to, the, to my 80s, I'll probably think that way too. I'll, I'll probably like not have to worry about any kind of temptation that's going to take me away from God. My whole life's just going to be sitting at home, you know, reading the Bible. That's what he does at 85. He doesn't get tempted anymore. But you know what I realized later? It wasn't that he felt that way because he's 85 and reads the Bible. He felt that way because he's experienced freedom in Christ. You see, you don't have to wait till you're way older to have that. Jesus said, listen, if you live a free Christian life, you'll find that we'll, we'll be closer than we've ever been. And suddenly it's not like me begging you, hey, come back this Sunday. Suddenly Jesus says, you're going to want to come. You're going to be excited to come. Suddenly you're going to find that not only are you going to have a great commitment, you're going to have victory over sin in your life, and you're going to feel like you've never been closer to God in your life. That's the experience of freedom, a close relationship. And then lastly, in verse 36, an exciting reality. Jesus says, if the Son makes you free, ye are free indeed. These Pharisees over here were so mad, free. What's he talking about, free? You know, they never accepted that Jesus was the Son of God. But I believe that those that were over here that were believing what Jesus was saying, I believe that they went and experienced true freedom in their life. They, they understood this reality that, man, I am free. I, I no longer have the, the restraints of, of sin in my life, but I have unrestrained joy. Man, have you ever been around a new Christian? Man, I love being around new Christians. They're excited about, like, the smallest things. And, and sometimes if we're not careful as, like, older Christians, we, we sort of, like, tend to be like, yeah, yeah, okay, that's nice. Okay, that, that was a cool truth. Yeah, Romans 3.23, oh, sin and control of the glory of God. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, for the wages of sin is death. Yes, I know, but the gift of God is eternal life. And they're just fascinated by that. And sometimes I got to get around them again and just be like, you know what? That is fascinating. Man, sometimes you got to remind yourself, that is awesome. Man, I, I don't have to live a, a, a life where my wife hates me and my sons don't want nothing to do with me and they're out in the world and they're drug addicts and, the, and they're robbers and they're thieves. I, I don't have to have that as my life. That doesn't have to be my family. Man, I get to live free free from any kind of bondage like that, thanks to Jesus Christ. The experience of freedom is just, I'm telling you, and I'll say it again, there's no life like the Christian life. <laughs> there's nothing like li living free. I mean, truly living free. That's the most exciting reality you can ever live in. The fact that Jesus has made us free. I heard uh, an interview this uh, past week of A.C. Green He's a basketball player for the Lakers, and he's a three-time world champion. And he was talking about in the 80s, he won two championships uh, with the Lakers in the 80s. And he shares the experience after winning the very first world championship. They were the, the Lakers, I think it was 1987 is when he won his first championship. And they were all excited in the locker room, and they're pouring their champagne and hugging each other and celebrating and, and having all this victory. He said, but then I went to the showers, that was where the cameras couldn't go in and, and there was no celebrations in there. He said, I walk in the showers and just get showered and get changed. And, of course, you, you realize that the moment is, is over. You're the world champs and now you've got to go back home and get ready for bed. He said, but I, when I was in there, he said, I, I saw one of my teammates and he looked at me. And he was done celebrating. He was just sitting there. He said, I hadn't seen anyone so empty in my life. And he looked at me and he said, AC, is this it? He said, I thought it was going to be a whole lot more. I thought it was going to bring a whole lot more joy. I thought life was going to change completely. And he said, I just feel like this is it. 
what I sacrificed and gave my whole life for, for this? Do you know that as a Christian, when you live in freedom, you don't get moments where you go, is this it? No, it's always, wow, this is it. (laughs) This is awesome. And then you go the next day, this is awesome. And as you continue living free in Christ, you find that really freedom starts with that person of Jesus Christ. You see it gets an effect in your life where you want to be more committed to him and you want to have victory over more sin in your life. And suddenly you're experiencing a life you've never experienced ever that only comes with freedom. For if the son gives you freedom, then you are free indeed. You see, the call today is to live a life of freedom. It begins with a relationship of Jesus Christ. And let me just say, if you're here today and you have not made that decision to accept Christ as your Savior, today is the day to make that decision. That's the first step of freedom. That's the essence of freedom. But let me just say, if you are a Christian here already, you're wondering if you're living a life of freedom or if you don't feel that same joy, if you don't feel like, you're living that kind of life, then it's perhaps because you're not really living a life that is free. Perhaps you're living a life that's full of rules and regulations that sort of thinks that if I do this, I'll be happy. And and you put your focus on doing something than on the person of truth. And it takes away any kind of real experience in the Christian life. Can I encourage you, answer the call this morning to live free. Answer the call of saying, I want to continue in this book. The person of Christ is no longer physically here on this earth, but he left us his written word. And he he said, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Then you're going to experience what freedom is all about. You know, President Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation on September 22nd of 1862. That proclamation didn't go into effect until January 1st of 1863. But on that day, every slave in the South was free. The only problem was they didn't know about it. So what the Union Army did is they made pamphlets. And as they would go to their battles and as they would go into the South, they would bring these pamphlets to these slaves with the whole Emancipation Proclamation on it. And they said, this little piece of paper right here says that you're free. You don't have to work on this field anymore. You don't have to have an owner anymore. You don't have to be a slave anymore. You're free. Life's different now. You don't have to do what that person or that person says. You're free to go. You know, I feel that so many times as Christians, we live a life that though we have the Emancipation Proclamation, though we have the freedom to live a life that is truly free, we sometimes just continue as slaves. And Jesus says, you've got to understand, you're free. And if I make you free, you're free indeed. You'll experience things you've never experienced when you experience a life of freedom. But all it starts with the person of truth having an effect in your life. This morning, will you allow God's truth to help you to live free? That's what I encourage each and every person to do this morning. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for your word and for your truth. Because, Father, it's what makes us free. And Father, so many times we get trapped into a life that doesn't bring joy, though we are Christians, doesn't bring joy because we're trying to live that in our power, we're trying to live it in our own reality, we're trying to create our own truth. But Father, there's no victory in our truth, there's only victory in your truth. And Father, in a day and age when More and more it seems that people are rejecting the truth, that which liberates them, that which brings them freedom. May we, this morning, not have that same attitude, but may we have the attitude of freedom. A life that is lived in freedom through Christ. 
through the word of God having an effect in our life to be committed and to overcome sin that we might experience what freedom is truly all about. Oh, Father, I pray that this morning we would have that freedom. As we're praying this morning, perhaps you're here and you're saying, Pastor, as you're talking about freedom, you're talking about accepting Christ as your Savior. And I've really never made that decision, but this morning I'd like to make that decision. I'd like to experience that freedom by first accepting Christ as my Savior. Would you just pray for me? I want to make that decision, Pastor, if you will. Is there anyone like that this morning? Then perhaps this morning you're saying, Pastor, I, I am a Christian already, but I've not been living as free as I ought to be, and I've not allowed the truth of Christ to get in my heart and to really help me to live free. But, but this morning and this week, I want to I wanna take time to understand and to apply this truth of freedom in my life. I, I don't want to live by do's and don'ts. I just want to live by what the Word of God teaches and what it says. I want to be committed because I want to abide in that truth. Would you just, will you just pray for me? Pastor, I want to experience freedom like that. Pray for me. Is anyone like that? Just raise your hand quickly. Amen. Praise the Lord. I see that. Praise the Lord. I see them too. Father, this morning, I saw hands, but you saw hearts. And Father, I pray that you would help each and every person that raised their hand, mine was included, to live a life of freedom. May we not have sin come and dominate our lives this week. May we not be overcome with evil, but may we overcome evil with good. May the truth of your word run deep in our hearts and in our lives. May we live a life that would honor and please you and glorify you. Father, I pray you would help each and every one of us to live free this week in your power and in your strength. Apply your word in our hearts, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen.